Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. This week we are learning the Haftarah of Parshas Truma, and this is about the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Our Haftarah takes us to Melachim Aleph, Perak Hey, Pasuk Chafov, to the beginning of Perak Vov, up to Pasuk Yud Gimel. Um, the first part of our Torah, really, which is the end of the fifth chapter in Melachim Aleph, really talks about how Shlomo Melech starts the enterprise, starts building the base of Megdash. So we hear that Hashem gives wisdom to Shlomo, as he had promised, because that was what Shlomo had asked for, for a, a, a heart which understands. And he has this peace with Hiram, this fellow who's a, a ruler in the um, the northern kingdom of Phoenicia, and it describes how they made an alliance in terms of trade in order to be able to facilitate the building of the base of Migdash. We hear about the tax rotations of Shlomo Melech at the beginning of the Torah. So we hear about the fact that he has 70,000 um, of the nation of Israel who are working. There are 30,000 30, people in, in different um, rotation, rotations that are moving on one month. They are quarrying and logging, and then, then they are home for two months as well. And it describes how there's, there's the people who are cutting and the people who are transporting. And this is the tax is not just the money necessary to, for this effort. It's also the, the time and the energy that people essentially get their jury duty. They receive their, their communal responsibility and they are sent off to on commission of the king. And that, this is how it works. We also hear about how both the workers of the Shlomo and the workers of Hiram work together in order to bring the materials to the land of Israel. Therefore, not for now, but it's worthwhile investigating that very interesting alliance between Israel and Phoenicia. Hiram is up in Tyre and Sidon. Those are the two main Phoenician ports where today is Lebanon. And this is Lebanon. Um, even today, the flag of Lebanon, the country today, has um, that tree in the center. It's two red stripes. In the center of the white stripe is a green tree. That tree is the Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon, and those are the cedars in Arazim that they were they were quarrying, and, they were, and the rocks they were getting from up north were coming down to the base of Migdash from that very naturally rich country, um, which was partly Israel and partly Phoenicia at the time. Now, we hear then, as we move into the next chapter, about the actual making of the Migdash, and we're told a very important date. We're told that the time that they're able to start making the base of Migdash is 480 years from the time of Exodus, from the time that Israel leaves the land of Egypt. And this is the, and it starts in the second month. It's called Chodesh Ziv in those days. This is before the Babylonian counting, which would be called Iyar, but it's called Ziv, and it is the, that is when Shlomo Melech starts building the base of Migdash. Um, why are we counting from Yetzirah Mitzrayim? So Rav David Feinstein, in his commentary on the Avtorah, is called Kol Dodi, um, points out, that they, that we already know that Exodus, the leaving of Mitzrayim, is very much connected to the building of Mitzrayim. In fact, it is that is the beginning and the end of the Dayenu. The fifteen steps are Yetzias Mitzrayim, leading to building the base of Mitzrayim in the in the land of Israel. We see this is Mitzrayim Hashem Kanunu Yadecho in the Shira Sayam. We talk about how Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to lead us to being a building of Mitzrayim. The two are very much connected, and so the Tanakh is connected them. And the time count this is an important number because it helps us square away other numbers that are important as well. Now, Barbanel does make a very fascinating point over here that it is 480 years from leaving Mitzrayim to the building of the base of And being as we know that this base of lasts 410 years and there's 70 years of exile before the next base of is built, then that means to say that from the beginning of the building of the second base of the first base of to the beginning of the building of the second base of under Zerubbabel, the completion of it is also 480 years, which means to say that there's a, a marker between Moshe Rabbeinu 
as the leader, bringing Israel out of Egypt, Shlomo Melech being the leader at building the Beis Midrash, and Zerubbabel being the leader at building the second Beis Midrash. These are sort of time cycles in the, in the Jewish calendar, which are very important as well. It is also worthwhile noting that it, it takes Shlomo Melech four years from becoming king to mm-hmm. start building the Beis Midrash, even though if you read Dira Ayamim, you will see that David Melech in Perak Chompez, Dira Ayamim Aleph, gives Shlomo Melech everything he needs, all the way with all he collects, the taxes, he has the money, he has the wood, he has the provisions. So why is it precisely that David Melech does uh, that Shlomo Melech does not take the provisions given by David Melech in order to be able to start building the base of Migdash? That's the question that's asked. And the Mepharshim try to deal with this. And one suggestion is, is that it may in fact relate to the to, to the idea that Shlomo to to the fact that. David Melech was not allowed to build the Beis Hamikdash, and one of the seemingly explicit reasons in Tanakh and Dira Yamim is the fact that David Melech was your hands of fool's blood. A lot of his prophets, a lot of David Melech's gains, were, came out of war, and uh, so therefore David Melech was not allowed to build the Beis Hamikdash. It seems that Shlomo Melech wants to build it from his own. Acquire acquisitions from his own trade. He doesn't want to rely on David Melech, and that's interesting because when it comes to this, it, it is fascinating that um, it's almost like a continuation that David Melech's um, reach is not going to be allowed to reach that. So you see from here, Shlomo Melech not wanting David uh, to, to use the money that his father amassed, even though it was made for the Mesa because perhaps it came from the proceeds of war itself as well. We now move on to the next thing, which is the next section, which is about the dimensions of the Beis Amigdash. The dimensions of the Beis Amigdash, we hear a very basic overview over here, that there are um, these sections of the Beis Amigdash. It is, there's the Ulam, there's the hallway, there's really three chambers, the, the entranceway, the main section, and the Kodesh Kodashim. And we hear that the, yeah, the house is 60 amos, um, 60 cubits in length, 20 in height, and 30, um, 20 amos in width, and 30 amos in height as well, that's the main chamber of the Ulam. And we then hear about the walls and the windows. The windows are Chalonesha Kufimatumim, which will deal with, which sounds like opaque and transparent windows. We then hear about the fact that there are these Yetzias, these are, there are the, these um, w- rooms which are found in the walls of expanding width. Each each um, of the three levels has is slightly wider than the one below it at the bottom. And um, it is, uh, and we hear about how the stones that are are, are, are for the space midrash are even shleima masa nivne. These smooth, full stones, ones which were garzen, were called kli barzel loy nishma babayis bimarasai. There was no, the, there was no axe, there was no grinding, there was no cutting hood on the base of harabayis as well. So let's just deal with a few of those things. What is special about the windows? The, um, the, it sounds like over here. That as opposed to regular windows, uh, as the Gemara points out, Rashi quotes this, is that the windows would widen outwards, meaning that the frame of the window in the inside was smaller than the frame on the window on the outside, so it would slant outwards, which is unusual because if you want the light to come in, you would slant it inwards. Um, you would make it wider on the inside so more light comes in, and so therefore Rashi points out, quoting the Gemara, Loyla Oira, I need Sarech. I don't need it for light. It's almost as if the light is coming from the inside out. That seems to be um, the way that it seems to be going over here. Um, however, the Ababinel points out that perhaps there's another way of reading this, and that the word shakuf is that it means transparent, you could see, and atum means it's opaque, you can't see it. So how can you have a window which is both shakuf and atum? How could it be transparent and opaque at the same time? 
So Baba now gives a few suggestions. He says that it could be semi-opaque, that it could be that you could only see from it in a certain way outwards, like sort of like a one-way mirror. He also suggests that maybe the windows are made at an angle, so that could, you could see outwards at a particular angle, but by walking by the side of the building, you wouldn't be able to see in. So there's various other options that Babinel suggests as to understanding what this concept means as well. Another question we could ask here is, what does it mean they did not cut the base of Midash with chopped stones? So if you go to the end of Parashas Yisro, the, the Torah tells us, You're not supposed to make the stones, the Mizbeach, cut stones, because you waved your sword upon it and made it and, and desecrated it as well. In fact, the Mishnah Midas tells us that, um, that, 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 that barzel, metal implements which are used for killing, are not allowed to be used in cutting the stones of the base of Mikdash. What does that mean? So how, how does that work? I mean, did everything, was everything perfectly sized and that's how they got it? So one possibility that we're very famously all aware of is that they used, uh, as the Medrash describes, this, um, this implement or this worm or this, or this material called the shamir, which would cut the stones without it being, without using metal. Um, however, if you read the Gemara in Tamid, the Gemara in Tamid actually says, quoting the opinion of Abaye, that what this meant is that not, not that they never used metal, but they never used metal in the precinct of the base of Megdash, meaning the cutting all happened in the quarry. Everything was, was, was made pre, before arriving at the base of Megdash, and then when they brought it to the base of Megdash, they simply put it into, into place. The point was that the base of Megdash was not going to be a place where you, where you wave Barzel. That would all happen outside as well. An interesting extra halach is done from this as well, the Shnei Luchas Abris, the Shlach HaKadosh points out that that's the reason why one should remove the sakin, the knife, from the table when benching, because at a time one benches, one uh, says Brekas and one is elevating the table to be a Mizbech, and, at that, and we know that, that you can't have metal implements, knives, on the Mizbech, so we remove the knife at the time of benching as well. Just an interesting halach we learn from here as well. Um, we finally hear at the end of the Mahatara, the last two psukim are the, the condition of occupancy where Hashem tells Shlomo, If you're going to follow my laws and statutes, I'll keep my word with you like I, gave, like I explained and kept with Davna Melech. However, and then I'll never leave Israel. And this sounds very reminiscent of what we hear both in Pasha's Truma, um, where Kodesh Baruch Hu says, and also in Pasha's Bechokosai, where Kodesh Baruch Hu says, if you keep my commandments and, and my mitzvahs, then in such a case, at the end of the, that whole episode, in Bechokosai, it says, I'll place my Mishkan among you and I'll, I'll tour among you. That's what it seems to be said. So, as Rav Hirsch points out in the Torah, and there's two directions over here which perhaps are connected to the words Migdash and Mishkan, which are the topics of both the Parsha and the Haftarah. Migdash is Mikdash, what we do to sanctify the place. So if we make a place, we make a Migdash, also Li Mikdash, you make me a sanctified place, then HaKosh Baruch says, I will make a Mishkan. Mishkan comes from the word Shechina, that Hashem will dwell among, among us. If we make space for HaKosh Baruch Hu, Hashem will join us in that space. And that's the conditions over here. Hashem will be here as long as we want to make the space for Him. And that's the conditions of occupancy, which Shlomo Melech heard, which, which, which ultimately Zerubovel heard, and Be'ezra Hashem, we will hear upon the building of Ba'ez Shlishi. Have a wonderful, meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbat.